Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. Welcome to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast, live from the Sterling Soap and Roastery Studios, part of the Believe in Buzz Radio Networks. On 106.7 in Central Arkansas, all live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark. I am Porter Hayes, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Hall. We're also brought to you by Bet Online. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for football, baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting for your favorite casino and card games, available to play right from your phone. So head over to the website or use your promo co- or mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BL- BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And another tough, another, I mean, it seems like I need to uh, um, schedule tweet the uh, reaction to the game. Uh, just heartbreaking loss, you, you, especially it being at Bama, especially when you were down 21-6. You come back, come from behind, you, you pull within three, and it just, again, did not seem to – football gods weren't looking in Arkansas's favor. They fall to what we kind of predicted before this four-game stretch to two and five. Um, I also posed the question, which we'll get into later, about the BYU game and how that affected where we are right now. And it's kind of a crazy thing when you look at it, just how when you ask the question, how mag- or the, the magnitude of that game, it's almost like everybody kind of knew this four-game stretch, that one game completely flips how this program is perceived. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to uh... – well, we'll get on Alabama first before we go yeah. back to the BYU game. Um, you know, w- watching it yesterday, it was – it started off, you know, good in Arkansas' favor. They, um, I mean, I won't say they settled for the field goals early on because, you know, get the points when you can get them against Alabama. Um, so, you know, they trusted Cam Little to get the field goals and then – Bama starts finding a rhythm. It's just, you just start seeing it, and you're just like, okay, here we go again. Um, it's what we've been seeing, especially with Alabama games. So, you know, it was 21 to 6. Arkansas got the ball back with, you know, we're on the 10 yard line under 10 seconds. I've seen comments on both sides on we should have tried to go forward and, you know, get in field goal range to get another three points. And I'm just like, why at that yeah. point in time we had stopped moving the ball um in my opinion 10 seconds left you're on the 10 yard line so to go 60 yards we'll say to get into field goal range you're going to risk and throwing a pick six a turnover a fumble recover i mean there's so many other things that could go wrong you know just going to the halftime being down 21 to 6 yeah and and that's where you know we had talked about yes it is okay to get the points and it's okay, one of those drives, you settle for a field goal. They hold you to a field goal. But when you're playing teams like Alabama, Texas A&M, you know, LSU, you, you got to capitalize on those field goals as make them touchdowns mm-hmm. because, as we see, just one of those touchdowns, if they it was that's a complete ball game. You know, that's how important it is to finish these drives. I know it's awesome having, you know – a field goal kicker like Cam Little, that if you're at the 40, you don't have to settle and try to go for it. Mm-hmm. And that, and that, listen, this is another thing, and, and I'm not going to – for for all those, I'm not going to sit here and this is not going to be treated as a moral victory. I'm not, I'm not going to do that because this was a winnable game. Or we're going to treat it like any other of these games that was a winnable game. I don't care if it was Alabama, Ohio State, any game like this where you could have gotten a touchdown – Opposed to field goals, uh, that's how I'm going to treat it. But I will say this about this year's team. Look how many points have been added to the board. Look how many games that are close because you have a field goal kicker. You know, that that kind of is the silver lining because we're talking about once they get things 
going in this last stretch, coming back home, a breath of fresh air, having Mississippi State, one big game. I mean, just I'm not even saying a prediction right now, but I'm saying one big game. Arkansas comes out and thumps Mississippi State by 21, just gets that breath of fresh air, gets that momentum back. Now we're looking at now you're in a position where you have the confidence, you're getting that Cam Little can win you a game now, opposed to just getting you back within it being what they say moral victory. Yeah, um, you know, I'm ready. Obviously, I'm sure the team's ready to get back into Fayetteville and play in Razorback Stadium. Um, I hope that this four-game skid or five-game skid, though, um, doesn't detour fans showing up. You know, we still want a packed house for these guys coming back after this five-game stretch. So you hope that's what the, you know, the reception that they get from the fans is, you know, people to show up. Yeah, and and Hunter, your check, you know, put it out there beautifully and almost kind of, you know, what we were talking about last week when when I was mentioning the whole – Trey Turner deal with, with the Phillies and stuff. And I'd kind of put it out there, you know, earlier about when they come running through the A, I want a standing ovation. It's Yes, I know they stand up for them when they come out of the tunnel and they're running through the A, but it's like I, wanted, I want that to be a thing to signify that when Mississippi State does come to town and that game is going, that people are – standing ovation for KJ and the offense and the defense to really prove like, hey, look, welcome back. It's, mm-hmm. This is a new stretch. You know, all right, we can't do nothing about those losses. You're home now. It's almost like when you go off, <laughs> you've had a rough go. You go off and now you're coming back home. You know, that that welcoming, come back to Fayetteville, come back to your home fans, sleeping in your own bed, doing a walkthrough in your own stadium. And, you know, that that's where – because you're going to need it. I think this Mississippi State game is going to be well needed because it's going to prove, all right, can they bounce back? Is this going to be one of them things where did you put so much into that Alabama game? Did you put so much into coming back and falling short that how does next week go? And that's the main thing is they can't do that. they got to be like, all right, fresh. We're back home now. Zero, zero. Let's make the best of this season. You know, let's let's try to get to where we can get to a bowl game. Let's try to where we can – because I'm telling you, you, this team reels off three, four wins, gets to a bowl game. I mean, yes, it's still going to be kind of be considered a disappointing season, but you're going to look back like this thing could have thrown in the towel and they reeled off some wins. Yeah, I mean, you got to salvage whatever you can. Um, and I know I hate, you know, the, the overly used phrase of – take it one game at a time, but they, yeah. they really have to. They can't dwell on what's happened during this stretch. Um, they don't need to jump ahead to, oh, we got the bye week after. Let's they, they need to just focus on the task at hand, which is Mississippi State. Yeah, and, and there was reports out that saying that their quarterback is probable. So I don't, I don't know anything about his situation. Of course, you know, when you're, you're talking about a quarterback coming in to look, unless they just – know for sure he's out, you're not going to hear anything until probably game time. I mean, that's just that's the way Arkansas has done thing. That's just the gamesmanship of unless you can find some insider information on Mississippi State and, and find their beat writers or people inside the program that are willing to tell you, that's the only time you're going to find something out opposed to if you're just hearing rumors, take it for what it's worth. We heard probable. We don't know you know, the situation on him. But we honestly, I'll tell you this right now, um, when dealing with backup quarterbacks, I don't think that's worked out for us in the, the last time we dealt with a backup quarterback. So we just need to worry about the task at hand and getting what we need to f- get figured out because our defense is good no matter what. You know, our defense has really come along, come on strong. And I'll tell you what, without having one of their captains on the field, coming up and showing out against an Alabama team – I mean, that really – that should spark them heading into next week's game against Mississippi State. Oh, absolutely. This what, this game defensively, and especially for Landon Jackson, was the game I have been waiting for from him since he stepped on campus. He just absolutely dominated whoever was in front of him, and it was so good to see. Um, I've just – I've been waiting since he got here for that. 
Um, I think he finished with three and a half sacks, 11 tackles. So he was just all over the place. Um, you know, you would have liked to seen an interception, you know, looking at it. Cause I already saw, you know, people coming after on, I think one of the, either the long, it could have been the long touchdown or just a long gain. Um, I think it was the long touchdown. Somebody was coming or people were coming after, you know, Hudson Clark for getting beat. And it's just like, when you actually looked at the panned out camera, you know, Hudson Clark was covering the flats. Yeah. There were two other guys that got beat and, but, you know, we just go back to blaming Hudson Clark for everything. Cause it's easy to do. Um, but you know, you could see the assignments once everything was, was panned out. So you, you would have liked to seen a pick or two, but Milrow just, he found his groove and he knew that he could beat us deep. Yeah. Cause there was, there was one of hit. He threw a rainbow pass and you probably could have ran a whole nother play in the amount of time that ball was in the air. <laughs> yeah. Cause it just hung up there. Well, and you look at, you know, everybody thinks that, and this is something that's overlooked. You know, you think KJ gets pressure and Arkansas fans are, are hard on how Arkansas is doing. I mean, Alabama loses one or two games and it's like, it, it, we're praying for that. You know, a two-game season or a two-game loss season going 10-2. and two. You know, they're talking about, you know, they won, they've won and they've struggled in games. But that they're, they're struggling to win games is not enough for that fan base. They're figuring what's going on. They're used to dominating the SEC. They're used to dominating teams and just bully balling. And now with, with the transfer portal, NIL stuff, people are staying. You're getting kids to come in. It's it's kind of even the playing field for some teams. And Alabama's been one of the ones that have uh, faltered because of that. Now, they're still dominant. They're still good. But they're not that juggernaut that they once used to be. And that's part of it. And, and they're, you know, I talked to a couple of Alabama people and I follow a couple of the Alabama influencers that react to games. And you would think that they were – sitting at four and three, kind of like Texas A&M is. But they're just not used to winning games this close. But the good thing is, though, Alabama has a lot of respect for Arkansas, and I don't believe anything that Coach Saban said about K.J. Jefferson was coach speak. I don't think – I think that was truly – if you watch that play over and over again, he's good for two of those plays a year. I mean, he just makes these plays like you're like, this guy is special. He's not good. He's not great. He is special. And that's what we're going to remember about KJ. No matter what happens the rest of this season, he's always made those wow plays that were like, how did he do that? And, and this, was, this wasn't this was Kent State or Western Carolina. This was an Alabama linebacker come in, and he just shoved him off and then made a beautiful pass. So mm-hmm. that that's one of the things that you always remember KJ as that moving forward because there was a question about him coming back. or I mean, It's too – it's too early to say that. I, I don't know because here's what can happen. I mean, they just say they beat Missouri and win their bowl game. Of course, you know, in the heat of the moment, he might say, I'm coming back. But he's going to have a lot to think about this year. Who are we losing on defense? What are we going to be coming back, you know, and at his offense? What have I got coming back on offense? What's my offensive line? Gonna, there's going to be a lot of factors. So, what's the chances? I, I, I can't even answer, you know, give a – Percentage. I don't know if you can, Adam, but I can't even give a percentage of him coming back or not. I just don't. There's too many questions. There's too many questions. It's midseason. You're not going to get a legit answer either way. Um, I think that it would take a lot for him to return to Arkansas. Yeah. That's just my opinion. You know, it's been five years, um, and I just – it's one of those, what does he have left in the tank here? Uh-huh. And I get, you know, wanting to do as much as you can for the school, for the school you've had put a uniform on for five years, but this was the season to do that. And it hadn't happened. So I don't think we would see him transfer for one year, but crazier things have happened. Yeah. So it's really, it's really tough to say. And in the end of this, Tyler brings up a great, question at the end of this comment is Arkansas six and one if we have an average SEC offensive line I'm not doing this to be salty in any way but yes 
I, I think you're looking at Arkansas at a total different team. They're going to win the BYU game. So where I would do the toss-up is uh, you're, I don't think they – A&M, I don't know if they win because just, geez, Louise defense, their defense was just on – it was that game that they were on fire. So – but, yeah, I think that would be the only game they lose because if you look how the defense have played against Alabama – and how they played against LSU. You're looking at the what I put out last week about the one possession games. Arkansas is sitting there, right, right at you know at five and one, I believe that was last week. So yeah, I think they would probably be six and one if if they had. A, and that's dealing with all this the the talks about the co- play calling. This team is an offensive line from being six and one. That's cr- the crazy thing about this team. Yeah, I mean, we're going to, sadly, that's going to be the topic <laughs> yeah. for this whole, this whole go. I mean, we all know that if we had a better offensive line that we would not be in the boat that we're in right exactly. now. Exactly. But such is life. That's where we're at. Because when you could look at other things, too, I mean, that LSU game uh, or even the rest of that Texas A&M game, keep the offensive line we had. It was a completely different game offensively after Lucas went down. Yep. You could tell that that was the, a lot of the game plan was after he showed out the previous game that he was going to be the go-to. He goes down, things change. Um, every game possibly would have been different if we had an offensive line that could actually create space for our running backs to run. Um, I'm not sure if Rocket Sanders' issue is the weight that he's put on or not, or if there is lingering knee issues at this point. I don't know. That that could have been part of it, but I and this is gonna it's not gonna piss people off because I'm because it, it's the I think it's the truth, but it's gonna piss people off in the sense of we don't need to play Little Rock games anymore. I think he heard it on the turf. I think it was the turf at Little Rock, and because I'll tell you, but back when I was in high school, we used to play practice between the high school gym and. The junior high gym. The junior high gym, Boonville had the same one. It was rubber court. And we would wear ankle weights while we were doing conditioning drills in the offseason. Well, we had three people either sprain their ankles or tear their knees on that rubber court because it was just a lot stiffer. Mm-hmm. And you got to realize he gained weight and in a good way, you know, getting bulk and but when your tendons, that's the thing a lot of people don't realize when you're weightlifting and you're powerlifting and stuff. You can have the muscles and you can have the strength, but you got to condition your secondary muscles. You got to condition your, your your tendons, and you can have these big muscles and stuff. But when you're when you're cutting and turning, if you're not doing the agility drills and you're not conditioning your tendons, that's where these tears could happen. And I think that when he was doing certain drills or, or running down there in Little Rock, it, it's just part of it, you know. And I think that that's – and you look at last year, Jalen Catalan, you know, it, it seems like always something's happening to this team and everybody's talking about how cursed this team is. And yeah. it's just one more situation. And, you know, with I mean, fans are rowdy. Fans are kind of um, – I'm not going to say uptight right now, but, you know, there was a lot of comparisons already – or I say already, it's halfway through the season, but with what's going on with Rocket, you know, people want to start talking about Nick Smith Jr. and what he went, I mean, people are like, we don't know what truly has gone on with their injuries, but I can tell you from what I've heard for people that are a hell of a lot closer to these two guys than we all are, is they've been legit in injuries, knee swelling issues, this, that, and the other. So, I, I, you know, it's one of those things. I don't think that Rocket is pulling a Rakeem Boyd and sitting out the rest of the season to get ready for the NFL draft. You know, I don't think things like that's going on. So, but but there's also look. I mean, you got to realize these guys are making business decisions, hmm. and and who's? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I'll say, and I said this during the whole Nick Smith Jr. deal. Who? So what if he is? He's thinking about himself when it comes to, you know, he's got a kid. You know, that dude's a dad. And he's looking at providing for his kid. And you're going to sit there and judge him if – and what I'm basing this off of is if he got injured and they're like, look, the percentage of you re-injuring this and 
we also got to look. Nick Smith Jr. was a lottery pick no matter what. Rocket Sanders, we know how hard it is for an NFL running back or, or a college running back to get drafted in the first round and make money, and then their life expectancy in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So if there's a probability like, hey, look, there's you could re-injure this, he's got to look at it. This is a totally different situation than Nick Smith Jr. Because oh, yeah. he's got to look at it, the fact of – He's probably, if he does make it to the NFL, what is it, four or five years, the average, you mm-hmm. know, and, and then what, you know? So he's got to look at that that business. He's got to look for, out for his family. But if the he, but you're also competitors at the same thing. If the doctor said you're good to go, he's going to be out there playing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, it's – I don't. I don't know what the um, issue with him is. On, I mean, I'm just going to attribute to we're being told what's correct, and that he's been dealing with these knee issues. I mean, that's all you can go off of, right? Yeah. Before you start playing conspiracy theory games, um, you know, I I don't. I look at the the running backs that we do have, and you know, there's a couple of them that I look at with the way season has gone. You know, are they going to look at the portal? I don't want that, but at the same time, that's such as life. Is it, you know, yeah. um, is, is AJ green going to stick around? You know, that's, that's to me, a big question comes mm-hmm. off season. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, he, he's shown those signs that he could be that feature back. And then all of a sudden he, he that, and, and when you've got guys like Otis Kirk and Mike Irwin questioning why they're not on the field, the guys that are on the inside, you know, this isn't some troll or some faceless Twitter account. This is somebody, two people that were questioning it that are inside. We had Mike Irwin on, on last week. That's when you really, your antennas go off. You're like, why isn't that person out there? Because if you really pay attention and you follow the breadcrumbs, if somebody like A.J. Green got one or two carries and he just wasn't cutting it and then you didn't see him for the rest of the game, or if he's having off-the-field issues, if he's having disciplinary issues, they're going to stay quiet because they know the truth. And that's what Mike Irwin, you know, it explained. When the people that know are quiet, that's when something is going on, whether it's positive or negative. They just they know the mm-hmm. truth and they're not going to speculate. It's when they start coming out of the woodwork and they start coming out saying things on it. That's when you pay attention and be like, okay, where are we going from here with AJ Green? You look, but you also look at Ty Washington had an incredible game and then he gets targeted three times and he had one reception for 24 yards. Mm-hmm. What happened with that? You know, there's there's a lot to take away from why people aren't getting the touches and why people aren't getting the looks. And I know we talked about the O-line, but what if we have what, – what if we had a more open playbook of people that were – get rewarded for production? You tie Washington having the game. Make sure this guy gets targeted six, seven times and see what he gets. Because mm-hmm. you can't get in a rhythm. I'm sorry. You can't get in a rhythm when you're getting targeted three times. When we saw that against um... – what was it, the last game with Ty Washington? He had, the, on the first drive uh, against Ole Miss, he had five receptions, and then we didn't hear his name again yeah. until the fourth quarter. So, you know, that happened. The running back game, you know, it's kind of, if a guy's not hot, like we've seen him, you know, two or three runs, he's just not doing it. We've seen the coaches pull him and go with some, you go with the hot back. So we've seen that, but, you know, it's just there's not been – Really, anybody – I mean, I've seen Dominion out there. Um, he probably looks the most shifty out of all of them when it comes to creating his own space and creating his own runs. So, I feel like he should have been featured more, but is what it is. Yeah, and, and I, I do. And I normally will uh, – we'll have a debate about this one. A.J. Green isn't consistent. Dominion has been more consistent. All right, I want to show you something, Billy. Adre Green is the leading rusher at 239 yards. He's averaging 6.3 yards per carry, long of 55 and two yards, and two touchdowns. DeBinion's at 237, averaging 3.3 yards a carry, and has one touchdown. So I, if A.J. Green is averaging double what DeBinion is, I, I couldn't sit there and say that 
Dominion's a more consistent running back than A.J. Green when you're looking at averages. It, it's the – again, A.J. Green in the, the game against BYU runs off for that huge touchdown run, and then you don't see in the rest of the game. You know, it, there's just been – there's been multiple times where when we look at data, when we look at data, however you want to pronounce it correctly, it, that's one of those things that comes up of why isn't he getting more touches if you're producing. And again, when you got the big dogs asking the same question, it's a legit question. Yeah, I mean, it's I haven't really thought of like one's more consistent than the other. I'm just, you know, wanting to find that one that we can stick with and make a workhorse. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't feel like we've had that guy that's just been able to go in and grind it out for whatever reason. Or it's just they've just gone away from the guy after you know only giving everybody six seven touches. That, each. That's my big deal, yeah. Because I mean, mm-hmm. in honesty, we look at the team as a whole. You can't say you're consistent. Mm-hmm. You're averaging two point nine yards a carry. I mean, as yeah. a team, as a team, they've only rushed for a thousand yards. As a team, I mean that that's crazy. That's crazy. You know to think that as a team right now you're. you're your leading rusher only has 244 yards. Well, no, hold on. KJ, well, if you take out his sacks, Sack, yeah. he's at 162, but his gain, so I, again, give or take design runs or not. I mean, that's where that whole thing, I wish they would, they would do the whole dropping back pass. If it's a sack, he gets those, those go against his passing yards. But we had a good discussion. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to move our focus to the Mississippi State game. Moving forward, coming back to Fayetteville, and we'll get your thoughts on Arkansas finally playing a home game and what to expect out of the crowd after the break. Attention DOIers and home improvement enthusiasts. Are you searching for the right tools and the supplies to tackle your next project? Look no further than Mentors Hardware Store. With locations in Ozark, Alma, and Clarksville, our vast selection of hardware and building materials is sure to have everything you need, whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or building a new deck. Most of our knowledgeable staff is always on hand to offer expert advice and guidance. And with our competitive prices and convenient online ordering, Metters Hardware Store is your one-stop shop for all your DIY needs. Visit us today and let's build something amazing together. Are you in need of legal representation? Look no further than the law offices of Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson. As the oldest law firm in the River Valley, we have been serving our clients for over 100 years with locations in Ozark, Fort Smith, and Springfield. Our experienced team of attorneys provide expert guidance and advocacy in a wide range of legal areas, including personal injury, family law, criminal defense, and more. Trust in our Harris history and experience to get the results you deserve. Contact the law offices of Robertson Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson today at 479-782-8813. That's 479-782-8813. Are you looking for a place to grab a cold drink and some delicious food? Look no further than Arkansas Brewing Company. Located at 201 South 1st Street in beautiful downtown Ozark, our establishment offers a wide selection of craft beers and tasty eats. But what sets us apart is our welcoming atmosphere and friendly staff. At Arkansas Brewing Company, you'll always feel like part of the family. So visit Destiny and Christopher Brockett and staff today and see for yourself what makes us the go-to spot for locals and visitors alike. Arkansas Brewing Company, come for the drinks and stay for the friends. Searching for premium brewery products that will take your daily routine to the next level? Look no further than Sterling Soap Company. Our handmade soaps, aftershaves, and balms are made with only the finest ingredients that give you the ultimate grooming experience. With a variety of scents to choose from, there's something for everyone. Plus, our products are crafted in small batches to ensure the highest level of quality. So why wait? Visit www.sterlingsoap.com or visit our retail store at 16 West Walnut Street in Paris, Arkansas. Shop our collection and discover the difference for yourself. Upgrade your grooming routine with Sterling Soap Company. Uh, Welcome back to the Hog Talk Podcast. And we're moving our focus on to the Mississippi State game. Uh, Welcoming the Razorbacks back to... Uh, Donald W. Reynolds Stadium, and Adam, what do you think atmosphere-wise will be? What do you think, you know, 
Will we break 40,000? you think 50? I mean, do you think a lot of people will end up showing up for the Mississippi State game? I think this is the deciding game that is going to make or break it for the fans' attendance the rest of the season. Um, I, I still look at them. I think it'll be over 60,000, depending on weather. Yeah, so. and, and if you look at the weather, high 78, low 50, uh, 11 a.m. kickoff, uh, I believe 11, right? Yeah, it's 11. Um, I th- there was somebody saying it was opening muzzle loading season or something like that, but I don't – again, I, I don't know how much of effect that truly has on, you know, this game because <clears throat> I think it's an important game. I think it's one of them, like you said, get back on the right track. I think it's one of those games where fans are going to show up. I think we're going to have a, a – I don't think it's going to be a sellout. I, I think – but I think – I would say in between fifty and 60,000. And I'm saying legit. I mean – we, we all know you can take their attendance that they yell out of the PA or announce on, on the stat sheet. They take into account of season tickets that are already purchased. They, that, that's how they do that because you can't sit there and physically count 70,000 people. And, you know, but yeah. I, I do think I expect a good crowd on hand. The weather's going to be perfect. And if the fans are being like, all right, let's give them a clean slate. Let's, you know – Give this team a new chance, second chance. All right, let's see what we can do the rest of the season because, you know, there is plenty of football left to be to ha- be had. And you've got to focus on the next games because somebody pointed out earlier, you know, Florida and, and, and Missouri, Missouri's looking pretty good right now. Um, yeah, I, you, you I've, know. I've seen mixed things across – the uh, Twitterverse or whatever you want to call it these days from different fans on their thoughts on showing up for games coming up and Mississippi state one, especially being the next one. And one stuck out to me because it was from a season ticket holder and they claimed that they were not going to go to the game. Um, They let everybody know where their seats were located. They would not give those tickets away to anybody because they wanted it to blindingly be open on national television that they weren't in that seat. And I'm just sitting here like, if you think that on national television, Hunter Yurchek is going to be looking out for your seat specifically to see you there, you got another thing coming. Um, but, to, you know, if you don't want to go, great, that's yeah. fine. School, school's already got their money. So it's one of those, you know, if you don't want to go, put it out there that you're not going to give the tickets away, give it to somebody who wants to go um, that to think that you're not going to go because you're owed a, something else. I mean, I just don't get that train of thought. Uh, yeah. And here's the deal. We know what an empty stadium looks like. Mm-hmm. Your two seats ain't going to mean nothing. We've seen what they've said was 40,000. There's maybe 25,000 in the stadium. Um, that, that's the thing. I mean, it, it, it's, it's not just going to be your two. We know when there was people putting free tickets and, and taping them outside of the stadium, giving their tickets away. That's how bad it used to be. I mean, and again, not to play moral or whatever, or, or I've heard that a lot. Well, it used to be like this. Well, we thought we were going to be getting out of that. But again, you have to go back to, we're talking about, well, I'm just going to, you know, I'm giving up my, okay, well, guess what? The joke's on you because they got your money. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you could sit there and say, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to boycott this game and national TV is going to see my two empty seats. Well, they got your money. So, I mean, it's almost like pointless. Give it to somebody who really wants to go. Cause again, I seen another great, great comment. It's like these people that want to say, I'm not going to the game and that's really going to make a difference. No, if the if, if they finish two and eight and there's ten thousand, twenty thousand fans in the stands, if you take away their money, that's what's gonna make the difference. Why not give this ticket to somebody who's never been to a Razorback game? Give it to somebody that's got a kid that wants to go to his first Razorback game. I mean, there's other ways you can do that. Make it into a positive. You know, stay mm-hmm. at home. Don't watch it on TV. But it's just the fact that, you know, 
And I guess it, that's the frustration. So I'll, I kind of retract a part of that statement that that's their right to do what they wish with their tickets. That's their right to be frustrated because, look, we are talking about a two and five team. This is not a four and four team. This is not a, a four and three team or whatever. This is a two and five team. So, but it's still like you're, you're not going to impress anybody about your two seats, though. I mean, don't make it now about the, you. <laughs> the sense of entitlement and then just the almost crybaby teenager sense that I got from reading some of these tweets. I mean, it was just, you know, it just kind of makes you like annoyed. Yeah. Until, you know, after four or five of them, you're like, okay, I got to get past this. Um, but, you know, if you don't want to go, don't go, like you said. And like you mentioned too, um, season tickets are already going to be factored into whatever the attendance number is. Mm-hmm. So whether you show up or not, you're counted. Well, and, and another thing too is like, you know, you're going – it goes back to my first question when we talked about the BYU game. Like, if they would have just won the BYU game, even if they dropped these four – and that's what I meant by the question. Not like, okay, what if you win the BYU game or are you automatically six and one? I'm talking about for the main focus of where we're at now, you just win the BYU game, you're sitting at three and four instead of two and five – does that change your perception of the program where we're at? Or is the will, because you look at the schedule and you're like, all right, this team's really good. And I know where we had the team. And I know there was a lot of people had eight, nine wins, but when we're looking at the majority of the fans. They looked at that four game stretch and I guarantee you 75, 8% of the people seen that as a no and four stretch. It's when you throw the BYU game on top of that, now you're making everything worse. And that's what I meant by the question. And it, and so, therefore, it's almost like, all right, you expected those four losses, but just because they were in some of these, now you're you're being going overboard on it. I mean, it's just like you're adding on to your own expectations of this team, and now it's like, well, yeah, I did see them losing, but this. I mean, it, so – Sometimes you got to remember your own words and your own expectations, and just because they could have won games, you know, it's almost like mm-hmm. check yourself on the moral thing. Like, yeah, they could have won, but just because they could have won or they were better, some of those games could have been a battles and they end up losing anyway. So that's where we got to look at that when we're, we're looking at ourselves in the mirror when we're judging this team and where they are compared to what we thought they were. Yeah, that. I mean, the BYU game would have, Complete. I, I won't say completely because it still would have been a rough pill to swallow with these four um, losses, SEC losses. Yeah. But it would have changed things a, quite a bit. Um, I know a lot of the people say no, it wouldn't have changed anything. You know, it, it, it's hard to think back because we are in this five games kid to think of anything positive. So you know, you know, it's tough to go back. But in, it, in a lot of people, yeah. It, it changes things because that's one of those must win games that we needed. Um, you know, we, we said going into this, we have to win all of our non-conference games yeah. and then you dropped one. And so that just, I mean, kind of sets you up for disaster. Yeah. And that's the thing with this game. And, and we're talking about the importance of this game. You lose to Mississippi state that's where it's going to be like, well, now what? You know, it's almost like, all right, we if you don't beat Mississippi State, and it's almost like, I'm trying to think, was it the LSU game where I said, well, it's almost like a must-win situation? I hate mm-hmm. that we're in this predicament against this team, but it's almost like a must-win situation it, because yeah, you lost the BYU game. Yeah. It, it's what so. you are here. I mean, it, it's like I said, it, it's a fact that – this, you know, Mississippi State is they're three and three um, right now. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, a lot of power rankings have them behind us, mm-hmm. even though their record is better than us. And that just you look at who they've 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 played, and yeah, you know. Um, <clears throat> but the the fact is with this, and this is if. Their quarterbacks to go or not, you know. When we look at, you know, the LSU game. I mean, LSU blew them out forty-one fourteen, and so did Alabama. So if you want to look at it, and I don't know if you're like this, Adam, or not. I, I do, but I don't. But 
people compare scores, but they don't compare scores. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at how LSU and Alabama destroyed Mississippi State and how Arkansas hung with them. You That just puts the expectations up there as, look, you should win this game. Um, now, they beat Western Michigan 41-28 and then had a bye week coming off of that loss to Alabama. So how much does that play into it? We don't know. I think this game being in Fayetteville gives them a big advantage because we know how things are in Starkville. And for somebody to get away with uh, no noisemakers, but we can have cowbells, I mean, that that's one of them things that you, that makes a huge, and especially, look, this is where a game where you know you need to turn around your season. You're damn glad that the thing's not in Starkville. If you had the offsides and offensive woes that you have and you're going into that stadium in that environment, a couple of those penalties that stop drives, now the game's at home, can keep drives alive, that, that could be a big deal. I know it's crazy, but that could be the difference between Arkansas winning this game is the fact that it's at home. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot in this game, this game that I think needs to be, I'm not going to say addressed, but then again, yet maybe addressed. I think that this is a game that you need to go find some playmakers for the rest of the year. Um, you know, Billy in the comments here is giving us the whole coaching strategy of yeah. his. Um, but fact of the matter is, is go with Broden. I don't agree with Broden has not shown up in any game whatsoever. He's six foot seven and they have, they don't throw to him for a reason. None of our receivers can create any sort of separation that's been proven. So with them having the four, four, the four, five speeds, I've yet to see it. Yeah. So it's been kind of tough, but you know, I, I look at Broden and I think, I mean, KJ's looking and trying to find anybody that's possible. He's forced some balls to, to Broden, but I think there's a reason that he's not throwing it up to go get it at six foot seven, because if he could go up and get it, I, I think that that would be an option when he's upwards of two to five inches taller than everybody he's going against. Well, and look, we also go, let's go back to the offensive line and how much time K.J. really has to throw to these players, all right? What if they are open and he's just not in a position to throw to them? Well, by the time he scrambles around and gets in a position to throw to them, they're covered up. You know, yeah, it, it, and I'm saying the other receivers aren't getting that much separation, but when we're talking about, you know, what's – K.J. was 14 to 24 for 150 yards passing, sacked four mm-hmm. times. All right, so, I mean, like I said, when you're getting – you're so targeted, say 24, 26 times. You're, so each one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine different receivers. So you're spreading the ball out between seven and nine receivers, and you're only passing the ball 24 times. You get sacked four of those times, or four times. So that could have been 28 times. That could have been four targets to somebody else, or that could have been a completion. or what. But you got to factor those things, those stats into the game. And we're looking at the, you know, we need a deep threat. Well, he, if he ain't got enough time and he can't do anything to do good to get 24 passes off short term, he's sure ain't going to be able to get anybody long. You know, you're just not going to be able to do it. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, uh, you, this is where I think you miss, I mean, obviously you, you miss the, the Matt Landers and even going back, you, you know, step further with Trey on, but, I thought a big key was, you know, missing the speed of like Warren Thompson. I thought Satania would kind of fill that role with that speedster and we just hadn't seen it. Um, You know, we finally got a Satania pass thing. It was like a 25 yard gain. Uh, But a lot of that was, you know, yards after the catch with his speed and everything. So we, we just yet to see somebody besides game one. And that was still more of yards after the catch. We've yet to see somebody just burn down the field. Well, and, and, and the thing with Satania, and, and I think a lot of people think because he's a track star, yes, he is very, very fast. But look, even Usain Bolt, you could beat you could beat Usain Bolt in the 50, say a 60-yard dash or 100 meters, or not 100 meters, but like in the, in the, the start. It takes sometimes mm-hmm. people about four or five seconds to really reach that top speed because they are, that's how they're 
train. That's how they develop. They're not just automatic boom right out the gate, 21 miles an hour. You know, just because he's a track star and they're using him in this in the way that they're using. Now, you look at him when he gets going, him and A.J. Green, both, 21 miles an hour. I mean, that's where the speed comes into play, and that's why you see him so dangerous on those punt returns because when he's in space and he gets that speed and he's in open field running opposed to you're catching in traffic, stopping, and then you're starting again, you're, you're not going to see, and that's a part of – Again, why people might not be seeing him on the field. He, you you got to have that burst. And just we, we hear track speed. It doesn't always develop to wide receiver speed. And, and just no. because he was doing it at Fayetteville doesn't mean he's going to come right into the SEC and do it. It's just now he could turn into a great mm-hmm. wide receiver. But that takes time when you're coming from Fayetteville to the University of Arkansas. And one thing I was thinking about a little bit during the game was, you know, with the receivers, um, yeah, I think it's been overlooked a little bit just because, I mean, it happened, but not having Sam Mbake uh, this season, I think has truly, Mm -hmm. truly been a a hurt to the team just because of him and KJ having rapport on the field together. It's somebody he was confident in and then having to work in new guys, transfers in, whatnot. Um, so, you know, I think that's been a bigger loss than has been discussed and talked about. And Steve brings up, we talked about this last week, not standing mm-hmm. in the pocket. How many times has he rolled out? I mean, look, when you're, when you're getting beat and you're getting sacked four or five, six times a game, your offensive line's blocking behind where you are positioned, you're not going to be able to roll out unless it is a designed – Rollout. That's the only time. Him, I mean, you look at it, he's running up the middle, out of the pocket, or when he is running out of the pocket, he's throwing some off body off of him and then getting to the outside. And that's just – that's we're, you're not going to see that until the offensive line starts blocking. i tell you what, when this game – if Arkansas wins this game and then they head into a bye week and going into the last stretch, I mean, this is why it's a must-win game because you're going to – one – Get your confidence back that you're getting back in the winning track, three and five, heading into a bye week, and then you go on this final stretch. That does, that's why this is a must-win game because you're still going to be able to salvage. If you lose yet another game, and then not only you have that week to deal with that loss, but you have a bye week, and all that does is you're not playing anybody on Saturday to rebound from that loss. You've got two weeks that you're you're dwelling on that loss in the whole season – that's where it gets very, very, very dangerous. Okay, so and I'll end my part on the receivers on this. So Billy here says that the blocking hasn't been there for the receivers to get open. Broby, no. I totally get what you're yeah. saying, but and I know I'm going to go NFL to college here, but the average time, and I just saw this stat a couple weeks ago in the Dallas Cowboys game was Dak Prescott, and I'm not a Cowboys fan. I'm just using it as an example. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, it was uh, – he has or an average of 2.4 seconds to throw the ball. So, I don't want to – this constant talk of KJ not having time, not having to – like, most quarterbacks are only having two and a half to three seconds. Mm-hmm. I don't, if you're wanting four, five, six seconds, that's not going to happen. I, I mean, realistically, it's not going to constantly happen. Well, and you've that goes to have a creator, You've got to have a receiver that within four to five, four, we'll say four to seven yards, they've got to be able to create space to get the defender off of them. And our guys are not doing it. They're not beating anybody off the line. Well, and then also it goes back to what we talked about when we're looking at the fact, yeah, even if you do get an open space and you're scrambling, you're, you have five seconds, that window is closed. Um, right here, commenter. Why does it always look like we don't run to daylight? That is the that is, goes back to what we we're talking about with this blocking scheme of Enos. He is tightened, bringing his tight ends in. That is the one thing that I did like about Browse's style, opposed to what we have with Enos, is the blocking. You're not stretching things out. You're stretching things out wide, and you that's where you see when you have success running to the outside. Now you got guys that are closed in. You're trying to rock straight forward, 
And that's why you see that. It's a, it's a ground and pound pro style offense. And that's just that until they get some hogs up front, it, that's, that's not going to be successful. Yeah. And one, well, this game, you know, especially, and it, it doesn't necessarily show it because he only had 150 yards. He's still sacked uh, yep. four times, but watching him, cause like you were talking about with the V or versus the wide stances, we've seen a lot several times this year, him getting tripped up over offensive linemen's feet yep. because he's not used to that V. So when he tries to break, somebody's right there and he's tripping over legs, but yesterday and it sucks that it was you know seven games in um he looked more comfortable stepping up into the pocket when he did have those opportunities mm-hmm. he, i mean he just looked like he had a bit more of pocket presence it's just taken seven games to get there well and and that was you know you're talking about landon jackson and and i want to bring kj into that same conversation we we, we alluded to the fact last week there's only so many times you can get hit and you can get knocked down until you finally start punching back. I think Arkansas started punching back. They got down 21-6, and they come out of the locker room, <clears throat> ended up being 24-21. Yes, it was not the outcome they wanted. Yes, it, a loss is a loss. But they showed that they can come out and they can start fighting. Now, you again, you can come back and, you know, get this win against Mississippi State. It's a whole new ballgame. I mean, it's what it is. Oh, yeah. You're not, you're not going to go to a big-time bowl game, but you're going to be able to go to a bowl game, salvage the season, and end it on a bright note. And, again, when we're talking about could KJ come back, could Rocket come back, well, if you win things and you kick ass and you go on a win streak here and finish out and you win out, you've got a lot more better chance than them going 2-8. and eight. I mean, that's just the reality. So, you know, it's just one of the things. What does this team want? They know what's at stake. They know how much. And, and again, when we can sit here and talk for hours, there ain't nobody in, in the state that knows how important this game is against Mississippi State other than the coaching staff and those players. They know. Mm-hmm. And to think that, you know, they don't want it or they're not going to give their all is just kind of asinine. So these guys know what's at stake. They're going to come out, hopefully, and, you know, take out a lot of their frustration on Mississippi State. Yep. And that, that's where we'll end the show. Uh, Adam, you got any closing arguments or closing statements before we wrap this thing up? No, just with the cooler <laughs> weather coming in, uh, you know, stay safe, stay warm, uh, stay away from people that are coughing on you. Yeah, there you go. Well, at least yeah. one bright thing, you know, everybody coming up to Fayetteville, the, the leaves are starting to change. So you're going to get some fall colors. Mm-hmm. So it should make for at least a beautiful drive up there. And, you know, hopefully, again, we're talking about a win. Uh, we're going to have Arkansas women's golf coach on Wednesday night at 7, Shauna Taylor, to talk about their fall season and their number one ranking. Really looking forward to you know, having them on on our weekly women's sports report. Um, another packed show. We got a surprise guest. We're trying to get lined out either this week or next week. So stay tuned for that as well. And again, this has been another episode of the Hog Talk podcast presented by Bet Online and Arkansas Brewing Company. Go Hogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.